This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, Alicia Malone with Scott Movie Mance and the Schmoes Know, this is Profile. In-depth spotlights on the greatest filmmakers and artists in motion picture history. Hello, Profilers. Alicia Malone. Whoop, whoop. This is a very special show, very, very special <laughs> episode of Profiles. Not only... Is it our one year anniversary? Happy anniversary. Happy Profiles anniversary, Alicia Malone. Go Profiles, go Profilers. Today, (laughs) August 18th, Mm -hmm. is the birthday of our profile today. How cool is this? It's very cool. We are talking about Robert Redford. Redford. Mr. Redford, who turns 79 today. He looks amazing. 79, still going strong. He's still challenging himself as an actor. I mean, he's incredible, isn't he? He's an actor. He's a director. And he kind of encapsulates everything that we stand for. He is in many iconic classic films, working with many great directors. He's a director himself. And... He is what Time Magazine dubbed him as the godfather of indie film because of the Sundance Film Festival. Think of how many filmmakers' lives he has changed by his involvement in that festival and the labs and the institute and everything that goes with it. Excellent point. Excellent point. Not only does he does he the face of Sundance, but look at all the movies that have come out of Sundance. And all the directors. All the directors, all these great films. But you're right. Uh, Robert Redford is what Profiles is all about. We say that all the time, but he really, really is. And how special that on his birthday we're doing this episode... <laughs> And we got a sit-down interview with the man himself. It was so great. I love how curious he is about people. He asked Severan, where are you from? What's your story? He was telling me great stories of being in Sydney and drinking tequila and watching the fairies go past. He loves tequila. He loves horses. So man after your own heart. my jam. (laughs) And he's so great to talk to. He's genuinely interested in what you have to say. And he gives great answers. I can't wait for everyone to watch our interview with him. Later on. Speaking of that interview, one of the things that really stuck out for me during that interview, you know, you and I have interviewed a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but when I was asking one particular question, he threw it back at me. He's like, why do you think that? Yes. Like, he didn't just try to figure out an answer. Yeah. Like, he really was curious. Yeah. He was interested in in why you said what you said and and was was genuinely interested in it. I and love that. We're going to focus more on Robert Redford, the actor today. Touch on his films as a director because they're pretty great too. Yep. But Robert Redford, the actor, his movies are timely. They're timeless. They're provocative. They're thoughtful, ridiculously entertaining. And while working on my research for this episode, I realized that 
his movies are so quintessentially American for better or worse. And when yes. I say American, I don't mean that in an idealistic rah-rah kind of way. But look at films like, obviously, Butch and Sundance, mm-hmm. one of the best Westerns of all time. Jeremiah Johnson is a great movie about Native Americans and the American frontier. The natural baseball. You can't get more American Even than that. Even the candidate. The candidate. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He... And then all the president's men. Exactly. The corruption of our government. But, you know, that's the thing, is that he really shines a light on it for better or worse. Yeah, and he has said before he's great at playing American characters who are up against all odds. Even something like All is Lost, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's fantastic, and he's obviously great in partnerships as well, particularly with Paul Newman. So we'll be talking a lot about Paul Newman today as well, you know, because of, of Robert Redford. <laughs> Incredible, though, that he has never been nominated for an acting Oscar. Well, he's never won an he acting Oscar. He's only been nominated once before but you know i feel like that's going to change because he's got some movies coming out uh this movie truth where he plays dan rather which is about uh, his fall from grace that sounds like oscar bait and then he's doing another film with jane fonda they did the electric horseman together in 1979 but you know this 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 guy this this filmmaker this champion of all these causes the environment native americans independent film this is really the kind of person i wish we could profile a, an actor director producer like robert Redford every single time we do profiles great guy he's had a wonderful life too oh that's a good cue so let's take a look <laughs> at his life in our segment called Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's a Wonderful Life. Charles Robert Redford Jr. was born on August 18, 1936 in Santa Monica, California. His mother Martha hailed from Texas and his father Charles Robert Redford Sr. was an accountant for Standard Oil. After traveling through Europe, Redford moved to New York and studied painting at the Pratt Institute and took acting classes at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. He made his Broadway debut in 1959 with Tall Story, which was followed by Parts in the Highest Tree and Neil Simon's Barefoot in the Park. He also appeared as a guest star on numerous television programs like The Untouchables and The Twilight Zone. Redford made his big screen debut with a small role in the big screen adaptation of Tall Story, but his real breakthrough came at the age of 32 when he played the Sundance Kid alongside Paul Newman's Butch Cassidy in the 1969 masterpiece directed by George Roy Hill. After solidifying his status throughout the 70s with classic movies like The Sting, Three Days of the Condor, and All the President's Men, Redford made his directorial debut with 1980's Ordinary People, which won Oscars for Best Picture and Best Director. And as a true champion of independent film, Redford founded the Sundance Institute and the Sundance Film Festival, which is still going strong to this day. Uh. I just want to say, profilers, if you're watching It's a Wonderful Life, 
Alicia Malone has a great eye. The photos <laughs> and the music. She edits these every single week. And, and she the wonderful does. Pit Boss who lends his voice. And of course, Ken Napsock, our good friend, the Pit Boss himself. But Alicia, you do a great job. Thank I don't think you. I've ever said that enough. Oh, these It's great. a Wonderful Life videos are awesome. She's an awesome editor <laughs> on top of being awesome and everything else as well. Well, I just want to say a quick shout out to everyone who's watching live. We got a lot of our regular profilers yes. in there. Billy Pollahan, Mark Tordai, Justin Bass. Bamboo. Uh, I saw Tyler Myers in there as well. Rachel Cushing. Hi, Rachel. Mark Tordai. It's Dan Allen. I have such a great love for our community that we've built of profilers, and it's great to see the live comments. It's great to be back doing this live. Yes, it really is. And there are friends. These profiles are our friends as well. You know, Liam Logran, because he's, you know, Australian. Yeah. And a Beatles fan. So it's something for both of us. But, you know, I know that you love Redford. I love Redford. Mm-hmm. What was the first time you saw Robert Redford in a movie or maybe something else? Well, I remember seeing parts of All the President's Men and Out of Africa when I was young because I remember my dad watching it. I think my sister's watching it as well. But the movie that I really remember him from is The Horse Whisperer. Of course. Which I loved and I watched again and again and again and again and again because I had horses and I related to the story. I was telling you about the story of my horse where we yeah. got a horse whisperer to come in. Didn't look like Robert Redford, but that's fine. But <laughs> it was just such a beautiful story. And that was where I first noticed him. But of course, then I went back and rewatched all the classics. Wow. How about you? Well, for me, it was really what TV, because I was a big fan of The Twilight Zone. So it was his episode from the third season called Nothing in the Dark, where he plays Mr. Death. I've Actually, never seen it. It's a great episode of The Twilight Zone. But as far as his feature films, what I remember about The Sting is the car game with Robert Shaw. So that's yeah. not really his scene. So the Robert Redford movie that I saw, while it was in theaters, not on TV, was actually Brubaker from 1980 and he plays uh, Henry Brubaker he's trying he's a warden trying to reform a corrupt prison mm-hmm. and that's where I really went wow what a great actor and you know who kind of reminds me of Robert Redford Brad Pitt well oh, he looks like looks. Brad Pitt yeah, that's what I he, you meant. he looks like <laughs> but he reminds me in terms of his everyman appeal yeah Harrison Ford Harrison Ford yeah, yeah. and him and Harrison Ford Robert Redford Jack Nicholson, Paul Newman, we're all kind of circling the same roles, oh, which is sure really were. interesting. Really, really interesting. Well, let's get into our Fast, fast five. five. At number five is... What? What did you do? I told him a story. You play games, I told him a story. Three Days, Days of, of the, the Condor. Condor. Ooh, what Ooh. a gripping movie. Came out Love September it. 24th, 1975. Directed by Sidney Pollack. One of six movies that Sidney Pollack directed for Robert Redford. One Oscar nom- nomination for editing. It lost to Jaws. <laughs> so if you're going to lose to any movie, it might as well be to Jaws. <laughs> but this is a great conspiracy espionage thriller mm-hmm. it is a paranoid thriller along it, it's so much like hitchcock that it's like neo hitchcock yeah well i was reading online a great comparison between three days of the condor and north by northwest which there. i can see oh totally it's totally there yeah this is one of my favorites if not my favorite 70s conspiracy thriller i remember seeing it after horse whisperer when i was quite young <laughs> and it was really gripping the whole story what i like about it is that robert redford's character he's a slightly above 
average every man because obviously he has some skills but he's very bookish he's not used to being a field agent right out there and he's trying to figure it out he's trying to stay one step ahead and he's someone that you can really relate to he's also someone that's so likable and intelligent that you're rooting for him the whole time and the plot is revealed so slowly it's about putting together all the pieces and then that ending, we won't give it away, but it's ambiguous, which I loved. Very ambiguous. Well, I, I was going to ask you about the ending <laughs> um, because it is ambiguous. And yeah. because the movie came out, you know, in 1975, 40 years ago. Uh, okay, we won't spoil the ending yeah. because I'm guessing a lot of people watching or listening have not seen Three Days at a Condor. And I really hope people do because I, I was at the junket the other day. We were there together for Walk in the Woods and I was overhearing the publicist tell a story about how a group of young film bloggers were excited to talk to Robert Redford because he's the guy from Captain America Winter Soldier. Which this which, movie inspired. Exactly. Yes. I kind of facepalmed at that going, you should watch all the others. Got uh, into my like teenage film pro- club president mode. Yep. But I, I love that people are recognizing him from that because when I spoke to the Russo brothers for Captain America Winter Soldier, like many people doing the interviews, we asked about the, the parallels between Three Days of the Con and Captain America Winter Soldier and they said it was so inspired by it that while they were shooting Winter Soldier they'd call it as a joke three days of Captain America oh that's funny but you know what it is and you can see the correlation it's great that Redford is in Cap 2 because if it gets people to watch Three Days of the Condor then that yes please watch (laughs) Three Days of the Condor this movie has it all it has action intrigue romance an ending that is really haunting and uh, Faye Dunaway his co-star in this movie in her book Looking for Gatsby she said here I am I'm sorry but the idea of being kidnapped and (laughs) ravaged by Robert Redford was anything but frightening I know it's kind of it's a really disturbing premise that he kidnaps her and and it's it's a little you know a little disturbing but it's robert redford so i'd be like yep come on in and the other thing about the movie that gets it a, a more haunting feel is the presence of the world trade center in this movie yeah and you know watching it now obviously after 9 11 it just makes the political impact of this movie so much deeper mm-hmm. and roger ebert at the time in 1975 said this about three days of the condor it's a well-made thriller tense and involving and the scary thing is that in these months not years months after watergate this is 1975 it is all too believable yeah well it was based on the book six days of the condor and it came about sort of after a lot of reports of assassinations of the cia assassinating foreign leaders so it really plays into the paranoid mood of the 70s and that's why i love these 70s movies because it really it really uh Elicits what's what's the word I'm looking for? It really, it it brings out the mood of what you would the imagine the 70s to be. Obviously, I wasn't born then, but I also love Max von Sydow, who is kind of the the really shadowy villain, and he's also shows no remorse. Yeah, and when he's knocking everybody off in the CIA, <laughs> and listen, profilers do love this movie. Our good friend Cathal Thomas Coleman said it is a brilliant brilliant thriller, one of Sidney Pollack and Robert Redford's best team ups ever. Well, David DeSoa, who is watching live right now, says about Faye Dunaway, it's disturbing but actually decently played, in some ways supported by the broken nature of her character, much more subtle than most of the uh, rapist seduction tropes of that day and age. 
and then bye to Miss Movies who was watching now she's got to leave hi bye Miss Movies Eon Daly says I love it because unlike action films of today they take the time to make us appreciate the female lead just as much as the male lead even when she becomes romantically linked I never for once felt the character was defined by her relationship to a man yeah it's also (laughs) a film filled with tension which is something you wouldn't be able to say today because the film is actually quite surprising at times a well written and well paced thriller that really should be more appreciated well so many things are appreciated about his movies and there's so many great scenes I had a hard time with the right stuff on this guy I know me too I I just what what did you what'd you go with I ended up going with because I love Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid I ended up going with the the I can't swim gorge jump river jump scene the fall alone will probably kill you yes because (laughs) I think it's a great representation of the chemistry between the two guys and also the surprising ways that script the surprising twists and turns that the script takes because you just see him going no get away from me get away from me getting really angry and then he reveals he can't swim and Butch just laughs and says yeah the fall will probably kill you and then in the end he's like uh, okay, and then they jump off. Whoa. It's so fun, isn't it, when Which they make that jump? I always think they're making too much noise. <laughs> they're right over there. They'll hear you. Yeah. But I love the moment between the two guys. That's why I went with that one. I went with all the President's Men, the scene, well, the scenes, there's like only a couple between Robert Redford's Bob Woodward and Deep Throat, mm-hmm. Hal Holbrook, because, I mean, this really happened. This really <laughs> happened. And then that last scene between Deep Throat and Bob Woodward when he goes, your lives are in danger. Yeah. And then he's, he leaves the parking garage and he's freaked out. And that's the impact that what these guys were doing. They were really onto something obviously very, very big as we all know, mm-hmm. but uh, the, that they were, you know, not just doing their jobs, that they're, they really were putting their lives on the line. And it's a chilling scene because he has to look over his shoulder. Yeah. And then suddenly it's, yeah, it's all about that looking yep. over your shoulder. I love that scene as well. And there's uh, so many details as well. So many little bits of trivia, trivia about Robert Redford. Yep. Hit me with one. Okay. Well, did you know, you probably did, that Robert Redford turned down the role of Ben Braddock in The Graduate. Yes. And he said, I never did look like a 21-year-old <laughs> just out of college who had never been laid. And director Mike Nichols said, no one would believe that Robert Redford would have a tough time with the girls. Oh, there you go. That end up, right of course, going to D- Dustin Hoffman, which was brilliant. Well, did you know that Robert Redford has done 11 period pieces? 11? Of course, including Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, The Natural, Out of Africa. He looks great in costume. He does. He also, I gotta say, after watching... Uh, uh, Jeremiah Johnson again. He looks great with long hair and a beard. <laughs> he looks great with a mustache. As <laughs> yeah, well. he does. He should wear the mustache it. more often. Well, did you know, uh, speaking of Paul Newman, that he turned down the role in 1982's The Verdict, which went to Paul Newman. Yeah, I didn't know that. And he did not want to play a character who was such a loser. So he's like, oh, let Paul Newman do it. <laughs> <laughs> let my friend Paul Newman do it. Well, last one. Did you know that he hates watching himself on screen? He cannot stand it because he always picks apart his performance and he thinks it's imperfect. The only one that he doesn't mind watching as far as his performance is concerned is The Sting. And he watched that in, I believe, 2004 for the first time. <laughs> right. I mean... 
boy, what a wait. I know. <laughs> Talk about, okay, you, I don't like watching. Do you like watching yourself on camera? No. no I don't either. <laughs> I would watch this and find like five or six things I'm doing wrong right no, now. No, we're doing everything right. <laughs> okay, and that gets a high five. This is a perfect time for us to pause for some very important business, Alicia, because we love getting the word out about profiles and we need profilers to help us out. Please go to iTunes and subscribe to profiles. We need these subscriptions and please, even more importantly, rate and review us on iTunes. Also go to youtube.com backslash popcorn talk network, subscribe there and make sure even if you're watching the show live, even afterwards, please go and write your comments on the show. And also the best part is go to our Facebook page, which is profiles with Malone and Mance. That's where you will find out who our next profile is. That is where you can join in on the brackets, chime in on the comments about the movies. Cause as you can see, we do read them Mm -hmm. because they're very, very important to us. So you have to like our Facebook page, Profiles with Malone and Mance. And we're very excited on our year anniversary. We finally (laughs) have Profiles t-shirts. Yes, so exciting. So we have hashtag FilmGeek t-shirts so you can wear your geekiness on the outside. We will definitely be doing it too. I ordered some for us. Yep. If you go to tpublic.com slash profiles, that's where you can find the t-shirt. There'll be more coming soon. Profiler for life and, and more other ones coming. Yeah. And then last but certainly not least, very important to please follow us on Twitter. <laughs> and Billy Polahan's already saying it. <laughs> at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mance, yep. at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mance. Pause. It's all about the pause. At Alicia Malone, <laughs> at Movie Mance. And now... On with the show. On with the show. People <laughs> live on YouTube right now are talking about options, people, people in the future that they want to see uh, us profile. So if if you have suggestions, definitely go to our Facebook page and we read everything. Yes, but we do. right now, let's go to Fast Five number, number four. I tried. I think you would all agree that I tried. All, All is, is lost. lost. What a great voice he great has. Great voice. And that, you had to use that as your sound in, mm-hmm. because that's the only bit of dialogue you hear yep. in the entire movie. All is lost. And really amazing film. October 25th, 2013, written and directed by J.C. Chandor. Cost about $8.9 million to make. Box office domestic, only about 13.6. One Oscar nomination, Alicia. Sound editing. But no acting nomination for Robert Redford, which was a huge, huge snub because it was one of the best performances of his career. Yeah, I think so. Definitely shows that he is not finished acting yet. He's not finished with challenging himself. I mean, he's the only guy in this film. His character is called Our Man. Our Man, not The Man. man. Our Man, because he's always been our man he's always been our man and it's such a great parable of survival and man versus nature and vulnerability and he as a character you don't know much about him at all you don't know anything about him you don't know anything about his backstory you don't know why he's sailing you don't know where he's going to but it's obvious that he is a good sailor he's not that phased not too phased at at first he just gets on with trying to fix it and then as it goes on he gets more and more desperate I love the ambiguous ending of this too. Okay, we'll we'll get to the ending in a second. 
because it was only 32 pages of script because there was no dialogue in the movie. Mm -hmm. But this is a riveting film. It is mesmerizing, compelling, and very, very profound Mm -hmm. because here's our man who suffers one soul-crushing setback after another, yet he perseveres again and again. again. That scene when he's in the shipping lane and the ships just pass him by. And then he lights the fire. Oh, this is crazy. But, uh, you know, this was sort of loosely based or loosely inspired by Ernest Hemingway's book, The Old Man and the Sea. And Robert Redford said this about doing All Is Lost. It was a bold and pure cinematic experience. It was stripped to the bone, and I found that very appealing. Mm. Being wet all day was the hardest thing. You kind of get depressed being wet all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it was a very minimal movie. JC met Redford at 2011 Sundance Film Festival and told him about the film. Yeah, Yeah. told him about All Is Lost and convinced him to come on board. Uh, And it's, yeah, so many questions unanswered, but I like that it's left open-ended because you can add your own thoughts to it take away what you want to from it well what did you take away from that ending alicia i yeah it's hard it's like is it really happening is it not happening has he died does he stay alive i like to think that he's saved i like to take it as it is and that he's saved at the last minute because he tries and then he's saved uh jc shandor in the atlantic said about the ending people have very different readings on that ending it's cut down the middle it's kind of intense it's what i was hoping but i never realized it would work so well hopefully i've given you enough space at that point to have your own moment well, in the on this, this guy Scott Mance, he's a film critic for Access oh, yeah, Hollywood. Oh, he's good. So he's I a, like his he, stuff. He knows he knows his stuff. Yes. So he wrote on Access Hollywood. He said, <laughs> "All is lost." Finds Redford at the top of his game with a truly Oscar-worthy performance. Yes, I still think it's an Oscar-worthy performance, and he pulls it off without really saying a thing. Makes perfect sense. Actions speak louder than words. Few people on the YouTube chat saying it's like gravity on a boat. <laughs> and Bill Polhan also says, is Redford a hugger? Yes, he is. Yes, he and sure he is. Likes, he likes hugs. And there's a picture on Alicia's Instagram to prove it. Uh, Cole Boone, our longtime profiler, very devoted, very loyal, like our profiles are, says, All's Lost is a phenomenal film of courage and perseverance in the face of adversity, not to mention that it has hardly any dialogue to convey those messages to the audience. In the hands of your average actor, this movie could have failed. Mm-hmm. But with the great Robert Redford in the role, how do you not put faith in J.C. Chandor's decisions and direction? This is a masterfully shot and well-acted film, a true tour de force performance showing us that Redford has never lost a step, even at this point in his career hashtag film geek hashtag profiler for life life. another great profiler who i always love to read comments from camille howard camille says all is lost is such a brave film and a brave performance from robert redford what other actor in his 70s would be able to perform a role so physically rigorous and get such a powerful story across with so little dialogue the film is only as gripping as and, and investing as it is because of redford's stellar performance yeah he has got charisma and he holds that screen you know when we were trying to come up with our fast five as you'll see when we get to the others there were so many movies that could have easily been in our fast five Uh you know we should actually call the others number six yeah people are guessing the the top five (laughs) but but really all is lost had to be there it had to be it had to be look at the grueling performance that he did and like going through his other films the only the only other film i could think about where he really was put through the ringer like that was Jeremiah Johnson back in 1972 with mm. Pollock, Sidney Pollock. But it is it is still a masterful film, and I still wish the Academy had had 
nominated him, but I think he's, I still think he's got an Oscar nominated acting performance on I the so way. Too. So we are at your favorite point in the show, Alicia. <laughs> oh, it is quiz show. Which is apt for today. Quiz show, Redford. <laughs> oh, there you go. How perfect is that? That gets a <laughs> so high perfect. five. <laughs> okay, Take you go shot. first. Okay. <laughs> for his first acting appearance on a game show, mm-hmm. he was paid a... $75, B, his wardrobe, or C, a fishing rod? I'm going to say a fishing rod. <laughs> yeah, because it was so weird. But it's true. <laughs> Instead of the $75 that he would have gotten, he got a fishing rod, a which fishing I think rod. he was happy with. And you know what? I'll bet he still has it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, okay. Which of the following Robert Redford movies was not directed by Sidney Pollack. Oh, okay. Not directed. Was yep. it one, The Electric Horseman? Yep. Was it two, The Way We Were? Uh-huh. Was it three, Jeremiah Johnson? <laughs> or was it four, The Candidate? Oh, I'm going to go with The Candidate. You are excellent, my friend. Yes. That gets that was a high Michael five. Ritchie, right? Uh, yes, it was. Oh my god! Look at her go. I'm getting Alicia so much Malone. better at trivia. You are this get another high five. Take Drink. a shot. <laughs> <laughs> that. Let's move on. With our fast five, now we're getting into the really, really, really good stuff here. Yeah, now we're up to number three in our fast five, which is... I don't want hints. I need to know what you know. All All the the President's President's Men. Men. Yes! Released April 9th, 1976. (laughs) Directed by Alan J. Pacula. Released not even two years after Richard Nixon resigned on August 9th, 1974. Cost $8.5 million to make. Box office domestic for 1976, $71 million. Wow. Uh, eight Oscar nominations, four wins, including sound, art direction, screenplay, the great William Goldman, supporting actor, the great Jason Robards. Do you know what movie this lost to for Best Picture and Best Director, Alicia? I can't remember. Rocky. Oh, Rocky. Rocky. Yeah. Well, I prefer well, all the President's Men, but Rocky is a good movie. It's a movie great movie. <laughs> well, I love the way this whole film came about. Okay. If, if you give me a second. Please. It takes a little while. But Let's hear it, it. it sounds like a movie within itself. So in 1972, Redford was in Florida doing a press tour for the candidate. He was reading all about Woodward and Bernstein and their investigative reporting, and he thought it would make an interesting film. So he contacted them and he said, how about a low-budget black-and-white movie with two unknown actors at the start, very small film? They didn't return his calls. So a year later, <laughs> he was a bigger star, and they uh, and he finally got in touch with Woodward. And Woodward said... We will meet, but don't you don't know when, you don't know how it'll happen. So one night, Redford's at dinner, and a guy comes up to him and says, Woodward will meet you in the Jefferson Bar in 45 minutes. Woodward was still really paranoid by this stage, so okay, he yep. thought people were after him, still following him. Just like the him. movie. Just like the movie. <laughs> so they go, they meet. Woodward Bernstein said, we're writing a book, we're not interested in a movie. Redford said, I think the most interesting part of the story is not what actually happened, but the investigation and how you found out everything that happened so that made them change their premise for the book and focus on that then a year later he buys the rights for the book finally four hundred fifty thousand dollars and then he starts to set up the team redford was hugely involved in every part as a producer he helped to cast uh, dustin hoffman he got william goldman on board but then the script 
was not good, William Goldman. They didn't like it. Oh, my. So I didn't know Redford this. sat down with Pakula and a few other people to rewrite it. They didn't give themselves credit for the script. And then it's been said, I don't know how true it is, that Redford was surprised that William Goldman accepted the Oscar for that script. Wow. But it finally came about. Of course, it ended up being a big hit, a big critical hit. And all thanks to Redford and Dustin Hoffman, I think, at the center of it and their chemistry. That is an amazing story. There you go. That, I love would be it. A, that, that actually would make a hell of a movie. <laughs> yeah. The Making of All the President's Men, exactly. the book. Um, but this is a brilliant movie. It's a masterpiece. This is a procedural that plays out like a paranoid thriller. Yeah. It is so fascinating. It is so well acted. Definitely the best movie ever made about investigative journalism and a movie that definitely, when you watch a film like Zodiac, which came out in 2007, uh, was very much inspired by All the President's Men mm-hmm. and a movie that we are going to see at the Toronto Film Festival. Spotlight is a movie that looks like is inspired by All the President's Men. But there's only one movie like this. I just love like the feel of the movie, the newsroom, the, the sound that a typewriter's clacking away. Everybody's smoking. Yeah. Everybody's out of shape. It's before Google. So you had to call up. You had to go yeah. to the library. You had to look in the white pages. And this is actually my personal favorite Robert Redford movie. Yeah. Because it's just so fascinating. And this is a movie that I, I watched again with pleasure. What a great supporting great. cast. Jason Robards, Hal Holbrook, uh, uh, Jack Warden, and our, our good friend Roger Ebert said this movie succeeds brilliantly in suggesting the mixture of exhilaration, paranoia, self-doubt, and courage that permeated the Washington Post as its two reporters went after a presidency. And Redford and Hoffman, they learned each other's lines yep. so that they could be completely off the cuff and in character if they wanted. One of my favorite moments is that one long shot when Redford's on the phone and he's on the phone for a long time and then towards the end of the call he calls him the wrong name but then he goes oh and he corrects himself and it's in character and it was a mistake but it made it into the film and just moments like that just makes the whole thing feel real real. absolutely does I mean I love the stuff with Deep Throat we already talked about that where he's just just follow the money follow it's the so money follow the money it's and crazy. I love the end the ending of this movie when Bren Bra- Ben Bradley played by Joseph Robards the last bit of dialogue in the <laughs> film he says nothing's riding on this except the first amendment to the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country last line in the film and then it sh- the camera zooms in real slow on Woodward and Bernstein typing away and you see Nixon being inaugurated for the mm-hmm. second time and they're typing away and then it shows the wires it's like the cannons and then the wires and the wires are just updating what happened it's like 30 seconds long updating and then boom nixon resigns yes what a great freaking movie this is i love it and it's amazing how much these two guys affected history as well it's a fascinating story tyler myers loves all the president's men says when i was in high school my journalism class watched all the president's men and i was completely entranced with the film the whole way through redford and hoffman as woodward and bernstein are one of the best duos in movie history for they have an incredible back and forth between one another through sharp and witty dialogue the movie also does a great job showing the suspense, tension, and danger of how far one goes in retrieving something important that could harm your life physically and mentally. It's a realistic and effective portrayal of both news work and paranoia. Oh, absolutely. Way to go, Tyler. And Aaron Turner said this about All the President's Men. Redford's performance is incredible. First time I saw the film was in my high school journalism class. That's cool. And I guess really cool. I'm glad I, they're still watching it. Yes, as they should. <laughs> and I couldn't help but be captivated by Redford as Bob Woodward. 
He and Bernstein, played by Dustin Hoffman, were out for the truth and would stop at nothing to make sure the citizens of the United States knew the truth about Watergate. Hashtag film geek. Hashtag <laughs> profile for, for life. Nice. All right, we're going to The Others. The Others. Which is jam-packed Jam-packed, The Others. So we will get through them quickly. You go first. The way we were. The way we were. 1973. Sidney Pollack. Just great chemistry with Barbara Streisand. These characters are so different from each other, but they work. I love it. It is a beautiful film. Just like its two leads. Yeah. I love Jeremiah Johnson, also directed by Sidney Pollack. Holy engrossing character study of a mountain man trying to check out and the, the, the life he lives mm-hmm. among Native Americans, trying to rebuild a life for himself. Uh, definitely the most physically demanding performance Redford gave next to All is Lost. I haven't great seen film. it for a long time. It is I need to re-watch really, it. really great. It holds up very, very well. Just mm-hmm. And watching Jeremiah Johnson, I'm like, okay, so this is... This is where Kevin Costner got Dances with Wolves from. Yes. Excellent. What else you got? Oh, one that I love. I don't know if you share my love for this, but Up Close and Personal. I could see why you like this movie. I love this movie. Michelle Pfeiffer. Robert Redford is the news producer. Michelle Pfeiffer is the young reporter. Watched this again when I was younger, and and I always had a fascination for news. I ended up working behind the scenes at a newsroom. And I love the romance in the film and also the tragic story. It makes me cry every single time. I could see you totally loving this movie. I love The Natural, 1984, directed by Barry Levinson. This is a fairy tale. It's like King Arthur... Uh, but set against the backdrop of baseball. Mm-hmm. It's a profound and moving film. It's a it's a magical movie, and it is rousing and uplifting. And Robert Redford as Roy Hobbs. This is a, definitely one of the a people that a movie that people refer to as their favorite sports movie. Even though really it's a character study and a character driven film. I love Out of Africa, 1985. 1985 from Meryl Streep. It won seven out of eleven Oscars. It was nominated for another Sidney Pollack film. It's just such an epic romantic movie. I had a farm in Africa. Oh, I, I had a farm in Africa. <laughs> Sweeping it. movie and the so score good. by John Barry. Oh, also beautiful. And he won an Oscar as well. Okay, I'm going to throw you out there with a movie that I just love just because it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Sneakers. Sneakers. 1992. Right. This is a movie. It's a caper movie directed by Phil Alden Robinson. Great cast. River Phoenix and Dan Aykroyd and David Strathairn. I remember and liking it when I first saw it's it. It's very fun. And, yeah. you know, when you watch this movie, you watch it now, you know what your movie you're going to think about? Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah? It is like Mission Impossible, but more fun and light and charming. It's got loads of charm because the cast is so great. And just as sort of a, uh, a throwaway, but it's still entertaining, even though it's not a very good movie. Indecent Proposal. I was going to say Indecent Proposal. <laughs> I love Indecent Proposal. I mean, it's so bad, but it's good. you got to love it. But... How about our brackets? Our brackets. So our brackets on our Facebook page. This week we're, we're run by uh, Steve Zissou, Dan Skip Allen, and Rachel Cushing. Hey, and guys. Thank hi you. Hey, guys. They did the best Robert Redford films this week. Came down to the final four, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid versus The Natural, All the President's Men versus The Sting. Ooh. And then from those, it came down to Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid and All the President's Men. Can you guess the winner? 
Butch and Sundance? Yes, of Butch course. Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Good eye, One, as Cathal T. Coleman said, it's not called the President's Men Festival. <laughs> 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 but a lot of people on the chat are talking about their favorite films. Um, many people love The Natural. Yep. The Natural, Indecent Proposal. Um, and then Zach Mitchell says 1985 was the year I was born. Had a lot of my favorite movies in there. Yeah, there's so much love for Redford because he's done so many great so movies. So many great movies. The Candidate, says Joshua Price, a bitingly painful yet horrifying, hilarious political satire. Great Excellent film. for it. Probably more relevant now than it was back in 1972. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to number two in our Fast Five, which is... Your boss is quite a card player, Mr. Kelly. How does he do it? cheats. <laughs> oh, the Sting. The Sting. The Sting released December 25th, 1973, because nothing says Christmas like a good <laughs> scam con artist movie. That's right. Directed by George Roy Hill. Cost $5.5 million to make. Domestic, $160 million. And if you adjust, adjust that for inflation, it's actually the 19th highest grossing movie of all time. Wow. Ten Oscar nominations, including Redford for lead actor, like you said, his only That's right, one. Yep. competitive uh, nomination seven wins including best picture best director and best screenplay for david ward what a what a fun stylish yeah. costuming the chemistry between Redford newman yes i mean it's a perfect movie right it is a perfect movie the script is fantastic it's all about the script it's got that sharp wisecracking fun dialogue and then it's got the complex plot where no matter how many times you see it you still get sucked into the story totally. every single time and and then the chemistry of course you know reuniting Redford and Newman from Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid with the same director yep. this time they're playing very different characters and Redford in this role as Johnny Hooker is so charismatic very. really sweet and you have to you have to love him because if you don't love him, then you won't root for the con to work. Exactly, and you won't want the the right guy to get the revenge. And she's also he's also a vulnerable character. Yeah, so two a.m. and I know nobody. He's he's really in you know he is your conduit into the movie itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as the chemistry that Redford and Newman had, this is what Redford had to say about that. He said, "When we made our movies, nobody used the word chemistry. Nobody used the word bonding. It was just get up there." and do your job. Well, you can tell that they're really friends. Yeah. I mean, they do have that that great palpable thing on screen. And I like how it's set in the 30s. It's kind of a nod to the gangster films of the 30s. It's got that ragtime music. Scott Joplin. Scott Joplin, yep. Scott Joplin. Uh, and there's got the distinct sections of the, the film with the like title cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, speaking of the gangster movies, Roger Ebert said... At the time, you know, 1973, it has a nice light finger touch to it. It's so seductive and witty, it's hard to pin it down. It's good to get a crime movie more concerned with humor and character than blood and gore. This was 1973, so I'm sure he was referring to movies like Mean Streets and The Godfather. Yeah. So, but again, now, do you know what The Sting actually refers to? The Sting, uh, I was reading up about this, but I've forgotten. So okay. tell me, The so, Sting is the point in... That's a point... Okay, David S. Ward actually described it as the moment when the con man separates his mark from his money. Oh, that's the sting. That's the sting. That's the sting because it stings. It stings. When you have your money ripped from you, doesn't it? Well, once again, this shows how good Redford is in a duo. 
He's, yeah. he's great when he's acting against each other. Someone. Absolutely. It's, you know, with his latest film, A Walk in the Woods, same thing. Same Him thing. and Nick Nolte have this great back and forth. I love the, some of the dialogue in the film, like when Gondorf says to Hooker, Glad to meet you, kid. You're a real horse's ass. <laughs> it's a fun movie. It's a real fun so movie. So much fun to watch. And uh, Nicholas Maglieri said, My favorite Robert Redford movie has always been The Sting. The Best Picture winner is a perfect mix between a con movie and a revenge story set to one of the most memorable film scores of all time. Yes, Marvin Hamlish adapting Scott Joplin. That's great. Mm-hmm. Part of the genius of the film is that the characters never reveal the full extent of The Sting until the end. So just like you said, Alicia, as the film progresses they are coming conning you just as much as they are conning lonigan like butch cassidy the chemistry between redford and newman is perfect where robert redford's character looks up to the older more experienced paul newman each actor plays off each other masterfully giving each performance and this film a must-see well phil plays on youtube says the sting sets the standard for what a con movie should be like yep. i agree and josh eddie says about the sting it's one of my favorite movies of all time right off the bat the score elevates the storytelling beautifully robert redford paul newman and robert shaw are perfect as the kid the veteran and the mark the poker scene on the train is so fun and witty redford plays hooker with that raw emotion of a man set on revenge for the death of a loved one but we see how fresh he really is when he says the line I don't know enough about killing to kill him (laughs) the twists and turns keep you on your seat right until the end when you realise your ride with these great characters is over and you know what it wasn't close enough but it's close well, we've been focusing on Robert Redford, the actor, mm-hmm. but he's directed some pretty great movies. So that brings us to a special <laughs> segment called Up Close and Personal, right love after it. your, your love for one of your favorites. <laughs> Definitely. So, of course, the movie that is right at the top is Ordinary People. Yeah. 1980, one for Best Picture and Best Director, beating Raging, Raging Bull. Bull and Martin Scorsese. This is a flawless film. Very deep. It's an intimate, raw, uh, revealing family drama. Yeah, family drama. It's so heartbreaking and unforgettable. It leaves such an impact. I actually, I, I mean, I've often said, my God, Raging Bull, it's so great. But mm-hmm. when you watch Ordinary People, the power of that movie just reminds you why it did win Best Picture and Best Director. Well, my favorite of Redford's directed movies is Quiz Show. Quiz Show. From 1994. It's based on the 1950s Quiz Show scandal starring Ray Fiennes. So you don't see Redford. He is behind the camera. And it's just really fascinating the way it's all put together. I think he that shows that he's a fantastic director. Quiz Show, uh, I actually prefer that movie movie above ordinary people because obviously the hollywood angle this is a study in ethics Mm -hmm. and it is a gripping and engrossing one it is also a study of reality tv in the 50s and it's a movie that was even though it was nominated for best picture and best director i still feel like it's what it's an overlooked movie Mm -hmm. i remember seeing it in the 90s and thinking oh this might not be something for me but i loved it love the movie and then there's a river runs through it (laughs) 1992 Two words, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. They look so much alike and in this Redford's movie. And Redford's voice as yep. well as the narrator. And it looks so beautiful. It's just sumptuous to and look at. Now, how do you feel about The Legend of Bagger Vance? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay, I kind of like this movie a little more just because it like the quiz show it's a little it's a little overlooked Mm -hmm. and underrated but i did find it just because i'm i'm a wimp and because (laughs) i'm a sensitive guy i did find it to be a deep and profound movie that affected me yeah one of the reasons because it's jack lemon's last 
big screen performance. That's true. And if you watch the movie knowing that, the last scene of that film really packs a punch. Yeah, I should rewatch that one as well. Yes, because I you also love, Jack love I also love the company Keep, which is from 2012. Oh, yeah. And I, and I know that, you know, is not one that people talk about as one of his great directed movies, but I am so into these slow burn thrillers, these kind of adult movies that take their time to explain things. And he plays this former activist who's now a family man, and then he has to go on the run. And I just liked how quiet that movie was. Not for everyone, but I really enjoyed it. Didn't we see that at the ticket? Master Building on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. I think we saw it together. How do you it was have like a, such a great memory? It was like a four o'clock screening. Yeah, and I remember I walked in, and thankfully you were saving a seat for me because else I wouldn't have been able to. Yes, see it. that's it. Yes, yes. give it a high five. I remember that. that was a long overdue high five. Three years later, Alicia. <laughs> Three years ago. Well, his latest movie is called The Walk in the Woods, mm-hmm. and he's been producing movies since the seventies. He produced this one too. This was a passion project for him. After reading the book, he knew that it was a movie that he wanted to make, and this was a movie he wanted to make with his pal Paul Newman. Yeah, and watching the film, you can, imagine, film, when you you see can it. imagine when you see it. But I've, I like this movie a lot. It's a sweet film. Yep. It's profound. It's also very funny. I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. Yeah, him and Nick Nolte, who plays the other character, they're back and forth together. And Nick Nolte is really funny in this role, too. He really cheeky, is. Cheeky, cheeky guy. So I liked that, the back and forth, because, again, it reminded me of movies like Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid and The Sting. And it is an adult film, and it's Grown a quiet ups. movie. Grown-up movie. Yep. And I often have like that kind of taste. So yeah, listen, I, I thought about it. I you like the message. Watching the film, I was thinking, like, this is the kind of movie that we don't get enough of these days. Movies for grown-ups, which I would actually say this would be a great double feature this year, along with Blythe Danner's movie, I'll See You in My Dreams. Yeah, which was another adult film. Yep, both of them were at Sundance. And I don't mean, like, adult yeah, film, not, I mean uh, for grown-ups. For grown-ups, <laughs> yes, uh, to be clear for here. But uh, it was at the press day for A Walk in the Woods where we got to sit down to talk to the man himself and to be airing the show to be taping the show right now on his birthday on our year anniversary an interview you and me mm-hmm. with robert redford i'm never going to forget this is one of the personally one of the greatest moments of my life me too me too I had such a great time with him and so now it's time for you for... guys to see our conversation with robert redford every show we spotlight the greatest filmmakers of all time. So, our next show, we are spotlighting the career of Robert Redford. Yes. Well, thank you for that. And the beauty of it is we're rolling on August 18th, <laughs> so we have to say, Happy, happy birthday! birthday. <laughs> thank you, I'm trying to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> this film is, is so special within your filmography. It's one you've been wanting to make for over a decade. What was it about the material that made you so excited to make it for that long? It was because it had three things that were of big interest to me. One was it it dealt with the environment, which obviously I'm pretty active in trying to protect. Um, So the environment was going to be a third character. It was about friendship, which I think is a wonderful topic to explore, particularly a friendship that was once very, very tight when two guys were young adventuring together and then they fell out they had a falling out that lasted for 30 years now they come back together again on this trail the complexity of a friendship that broke apart and is being repaired again I thought was really good and that it was a comedy I hope 
Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I, I thought it should be fun. And the, the other word that you, you're kind of reluctant to use because it sounds sort of hokey is it should be uplifting at, at a time when there's a lot of darkness in, in the world and in our lives. And it, it would be nice to have a film where you could feel uplifted. As, as a producer, you know, you produce this movie, you produce so many films. How did producing A Walk in the Woods compare to when you first started producing movies back in the 70s? You know, has it has it gotten easier? Or what, what are some of the bigger challenges you face? It's never gotten easier. I, I think wow. the, the, the industry we're in is not an easy one to be in. It's, you know, uh, it changes a lot with times, and sometimes it makes it harder. You know, the the requisites and the rules change, and sometimes those rules are, are really hard to deal with. Um, so that's just been this sort of uneven roller coaster ride over the years, and you have to go with it, whatever and take advantage of whatever you can. So for me, this film, I, I really felt that that one of the things this film could do, um, considering all those three things that I mentioned, if they all came together in the right way, you would create a product that would maybe bring uh, a disenfranchised group back into the theater, which is an older audience that I, I feel that they, the older audience has been underserved for many years because the focus has been on youth and what youth wants, which is great. And they've done a great job with that, but special effects have, have played a great role in that. That's also great because technology has created all this new stuff you can work with, which is really terrific. But it was beginning to feel it was at the expense of the more humanistic, smaller films that were just about life. And also if you could do it in a way that could lift you up a bit, uh, that, to me, was worth doing. It just took a long time to get to the screen. I, I, why, I can't tell you. Maybe it's the business. A lot of people were questioning this. How about foreign sales? How about this? What the budget? You had to go where the rebate was. You know, There are a lot of restrictions to get this film made. But fortunately, we had Ken Kwapis, who really understood it. He had a wonderful comedic sense. But you had this great cast. You had Emma. You had Mary... You had Christian, you, you just had this, what, you had Nick Offerman, you just, and then Nick Nolte, you know. Yeah. And that was a pleasure, because Nick and I just, there was a synchronicity there that just came naturally that made it really nice. Yeah, well, I love you and Nick Nolte together, yeah. and I love you and Paul Newman together, Sting and Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid. What are some of your memories of making those films? They look like they were a lot of fun. It, it was really a lot of fun. Almost, <laughs> almost at, at a point where I was feeling guilty getting paid. Yeah. And I wasn't paid very much because <laughs> the studio didn't want me in the film. The initial title of the film was Sundance Kid and Butch Cassidy. That was the initial title of the script that William Goldman wrote. And when I read it, they wanted to put me up for Butch Cassidy because he seemed to be the younger character with a little more lively, and I'd done a comedy on Broadway, so they saw me in that. And I saw it very differently because of my background and my life. There had always been a bit of an outlaw there. And I was fortunate to put my life in order so I wasn't a total outlaw, but there was a time. And I identified with the Sundance Kid. I, I did not identify so much with Butch. Mm -hmm. George Ray Hill and I had a, a drink in a bar on 3rd Avenue, and he came out of it saying, you know, you're, I, I see you as Sundance. The studio says, well, one, we don't see him in the film because <laughs> he's not a star and Paul Newman is, and we need somebody of Paul's. 
So that was a, a long battle that took on months. The studio tried to literally keep me out of the film because they wow. didn't think I matched Paul's marquee value. George Ray Hill wanted me. William Goldman wanted me. I wanted to do it, but it was a battle. And then what? I did the film practically for nothing and because I just wanted to play that role and yeah. to do that film. And then in doing it, what happened was it, it worked out beautifully. We, I had so much fun. Because I like to do, I like to do my own stunts when I can. I love to ride horses. Yeah. Paul hates horses. You know. <laughs> he hated getting on a horse. You know, I loved it. It was just fun. And and we were in territory that I had introduced to George Roy Hill. I said you should look at Southern Utah, where Zion National Park is, and so forth. So there are a lot of reasons to love it. I had worked with Catherine Ross before, and so I just had the best time doing it. I just had so much fun. All the President's Men is a movie that we just rewatched, mm -hmm. and this is a film that I feel like, on one level, it's more relevant now than it was back in the day. And yeah. also, why, 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 why do you say that? That's well, just because it, you hear the sound that a typewriter's go and everybody's smoking. It's 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 a real gem of investigative journalism, and that is something that is more important now, especially with the internet, than it than it was just when it was people were just reading papers. You can't always trust politicians and what they say. Less now than ever. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something real quick. I won't tell you the story about how it came about because it's a, a fabulous story, but it takes too long to tell. Uh -huh. And it was four years in the making. It, it, it started in 1972, and the film was made in 76. The story about how it came about it is a great story, but beginning to having the film made, when we got around to making the film, had a concept that was very, very clear and strong. That was that you would do inside the newsroom, there would be no shadows because of the fluorescent lighting oh, in yeah. the newsroom. And the value of that would be that when the reporters and the editors were in the newsroom working, that's where the truth was being found. Yeah. As soon as they left the newsroom, they went into the dark. Yeah. So Washington was portrayed in the dark. So there were a lot of shadows. Gordon Willis, rather than putting lights at nighttime, would have would wet the street and have car lights bounce the light up. It's the Prince of Shadows. Yeah, it, w it was great. And so, but for me, to, the, the, it, to me it was a murder mystery. It was a murder mystery. And that it was, the, the weapons were the typewriter and, and telephones and pen. So what we did to make that point was to kick up the sound on all three of those things so that whenever there's a typewriter key, you know when the, when the film starts, there's a smash typewriter key. Mm -hmm. June, you know, boom, it hits like a ton of bricks. That sound has been accentuated. So then we wanted to keep that. So that whenever the guys were working this, we kicked that sound up. That was a weapon being used. And then whenever they were writing, that, that sound of the pen on paper would be picked up. And then here, we wanted to be on both sides of the conversation and to see what these guys had to do to get their story told using those three elements. Wow. And we kicked up the volume on all of them. Such a great movie. Thank you so much for your time. We thank really so appreciate much. it. Th thank you. And thank you so much for being a part of Profiles. So you're what our show is all about. I mean, it really yeah, is. Well, great. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for that. Yay! Wait, this is very special right here. High five, Alicia oh. Moore. One more. One more. Wait. One more. Okay. Incredible to yes. get a, like what, almost a 10 minute slot with Robert Redford 
for our little show profiles. It's just so great. And he so was asking huge. us all about the show. How he can can he see it? What does it mean? Is it a podcast? Is it YouTube? Is it on TV? And so we told him all about it. So now he knows about it. Robert Redford knows about profiles. And I could listen to him talk all, all day. day. And so you know, interesting. if there's any Hollywood legend who should write a memoir, yeah, it is Robert Redford. The so stories. someone said on YouTube, has he written a memoir? He should if he hasn't already. And I totally agree. And also David DeSoas says a question to you, Matt, when you're talking about all the president's men being more relevant today than before. He says, do you mean to say that critical journalism is more important now or that it is rarer? I would say both. Both. It is rarer, which makes it more important. Mm -hmm. And you brought this up when we were interviewing him, how with the internet and all these bloggers and all these people writing, don't believe everything you read, which is why investigative journalism is so much more important now than it ever was. And and like I said, you can't believe anything politicians say, especially these days. Well, that all changed because of Watergate. Before Watergate... You looked up to the president, or at least most people did, and you trusted your government. Mm-hmm. After Watergate, it has never been the same. I mean, even Reagan, who was very popular, and Clinton, who was very popular, and then, you know, Clinton had his own scandal going on. So, yeah, ever since Watergate and the events depicted in All the President's Men, the U.S. government has never been the same. We but it is still, it yeah, we so could. Good. But we should be talking about our number one movie in our Fast Five, which, which is... is... What are you doing? Stealing your woman? Take her. Take her. Ah, yes. Switch Cassidy and, and the, the Sundance, Sundance Kid. Kid released October 24th, 1969. Again, directed by George Roy Hill. Again, the teaming of Robert Redford and Paul Newman. The, the first, first time. time. The first time. Cost $8 million. Box office was $15 million just in its first year. Obviously made up much more after that. Seven Oscar nominations, including Best Picture and Best Director. Mm-hmm. It won four, including the score, song, Burt Bacharach. Cinematography, the great Conrad Hall, yep. who also won an Oscar for American Beauty. And great screenplay by the great William Goldman. Yes. This is a cool movie. This movie has charm. This movie has swagger. It is sexy. Oh, yeah. That's why yes, I've got is. a picture on of them as my lock screen <laughs> on my phone so I can look at these men every day because I love this movie. This is my favorite Robert Redford film. I remember seeing it you know, when I was a teenager and just feeling how fresh it is for a period Western. It's because of the slapstick comedy. It's because of the chemistry between them, which makes it feel quite improvised. It's because of that, yes, cheesy score with raindrops are falling on my head, but it does make it feel more modern than it actually was. And because these two were friends and became friends, it feels so real when you watch it. It feels like it's almost improvised. It's so natural. Genuine. It's got really funny dialogue and some great sequences, unexpected moments like that one we just played then, like, take her, take her. And take then he's her. like, oh, you're a real romantic there. But, you know, this is a movie that's I, I described as a postmodern Western. Yeah, and like a also, revisionist Western. When I was Semi. Th- watching the film again, because, I mean, you can't watch this movie enough, I was thinking, okay, here's a movie, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, and it hit me. It came out in 1969. Mm-hmm. This movie almost serves as an allegory for the late 1960s. The disillusionment of the late 1960s, the the sort of implosion of the 60s idealism, the dream of the 60s, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense because the movie came out the same year. Here's a buddy pick, Butch and Sundance, came out the same buddy. year as Easy Rider. 
Yes. Also, a road trip movie of sorts. Counterculture. And a movie that did not end well for the buddies. Yeah, and you could say that these these buddies are counterculture in themselves, too. Absolutely. They don't follow the rules. They do their own thing. Great ending. Great ending. I just wish that they made it to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, then they would find out that it doesn't stink. <laughs> it's great. And the banks are fantastic. <laughs> well, this was a movie that actually it just goes to show you how things can change over time. Because the movie did get mixed reviews yeah. when it came out. The New York Times uh, said that Newman and Redford and Catherine Ross succeed even if the movie doesn't. And <laughs> Roger Ebert just gave it two and a half stars. But it was the highest grossing film of the year. So yes. audiences love it and this was the film which made Robert Redford a star it got to show he got to show off his acting chops also his comedic talents and his masculinity as well <sighs> I love this movie this so is an excellent film fun. and that brings us we just got some comments to read from some profilers yes. Eric Christensen says Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a classic movie not just a classic western for its time it used more modern music and songs <laughs> that would never get featured in westerns and he also holds his own and then some with Paul Newman. Philippe Hunt says, I love Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The two main stars play off each other so well. The comedy, the action, and the romance blend so well together. And then Lisa Silverman just sort of capping it off with the perfect comment. Robert Redford was my first crush. I saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid when I was seven years old. It was my favorite movie of his until The Way We Were came out, and that's <laughs> where I really fell in love with him. I've been following him ever since. He is such a talented actor. So many wonderful films. The Natural the Horse Whisperer, no, Unfinished no. Life. Too many to count. And now I look forward to seeing A Walk in the Woods. Yay. All right. Let's count back our Fast Five. Just to recap things. We're coming at number five, Three, three Days, days of, of the Condor. Condor. Number four, All, all is, is Lost. Number three, All, all the, the President's, President's Men. Men. Number two, The, the Sting. Sting. Number one, Butch Cassidy and, and the, the Sundance, Sundance Kid. Kid. The book is closed. One last bit of business before we really sign off. Again, please. Well, why don't you take it? Oh, okay. All right. Here's what you got to do. Here's profilers. what you got to do, profilers. If you love this show, and we make know you sure do. <laughs> you rate and review and subscribe on iTunes for our audio podcast. If you'd like to see us, then subscribe to youtube.com slash popcorn talk network. We are live every second Tuesday at 3 p.m. You can join in on the chat. Also, make sure you like our Facebook page, Profiles with Malone and Mance. It's where you leave the comments that we read out. It's where you do your brackets. Then you can go to Twitter at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mats, at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mats, pause, 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 at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mats, and you can also buy our hashtag FilmGeek t-shirt available now on tpublic.com slash profiles. Well done, Alicia Malone. That gets the last high five of the day. We will see you all profilers soon. Until next time, bye. bye. <laughs> From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 